Hi, everyone. Pastor Galen, lead pastor at Shine Hills Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We hope that these podcasts will be a real encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. You can also connect with Cheyenne Hills at CheyenneHills.org. Hope you enjoy the program. We are across the street and around the world. Cheyenne Hills. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. We haven't met for a while, Nathan. I know. It's good to see you. You're all good dressed up again. Well, you look like you're just having a grand no, old time. No, I am. I'm just kind of in my normal pastor day. You're, you've been doing uh, your yeah. your normal legislature day. you got your button and pin on there. Oh, yeah. you're, you're really kind of all in right now. Well, And also, this is Wednesday, and this is a long tradition. The hump day coat. Camel. Yeah, the camel hair coat. So <laughs> I would otherwise, so they're everybody so everybody wears camel hair or a lot of people do? A lot of them do. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. So funny. It's fun. That's cool. Well, um, so I, I want to talk to you about that, but I, I want to start with, uh, and we may have to go to the, the next podcast to really capture a lot of the legislature. There's a lot we need to catch up on. Oh, and so yes. I want to I want to yeah. do that with you, but I wanted to I wanted to start with just a little bit of devotional shot because we haven't done this for a while. That's good. And so we we uh, just finished a series called Shockwaves and basically went through shocking things that Jesus said. Yeah. Okay. And so just to give you, I mean, you've had you know, whatever maybe a minute or so of a running start. What is, what is your what's is there a verse that comes to mind that's a, a what's the most shocking thing that you think that Jesus said? Yes, I, I know. And exactly. I don't think there's a right answer to this, by the way. <laughs> so when I was in Israel, of course, we had the beautiful privilege of going through so many of the different places in the Old Testament stories of the Bible. Sure. And so you're standing there as people are contemplating uh, the great God, you know, Yahweh, um, and all of the worship and everything else. But we finally got to a place uh, in Capernaum. And of course, it's not the same exact synagogue, it's the same airspace. The synagogue Jesus once stood in uh, is directly underneath it. But Jesus made a shocking statement. You know, uh, first of all, he says, today these things are fulfilled in your eyes. He's saying that uh, that God would send someone uh, who would raise up the fallen, who would bind the 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 the, the needs of the people. He would be right. a great healer. Yep. Later on in John ten thirty, he just synthesizes it into this one and extremely shocking statement. All right. Jesus said, "I and the Father are one." Ooh, yes. Now, when you think about it, and I, I, I remember thinking about that from an Old Testament perspective, trying to put myself in the shoes of the individuals who first heard Jesus make that statement. That's huge. That and he's be... making the statement that God has given people to me, yeah. and, uh, um, and, and, and they are safe in my hands and so on. Right. And anyway, and then he says, I and the Father are one. Yeah. And you think about it, there, there are so many places to go there, but that is the fundamental distinction wow, of what it means to be a Christian. Okay, so... We've we've talked a little bit about there's something going on in the New Apostolic Reformation, uh-huh. and one of the there's a one of the pastors and I'm not going to throw him under the bus because there's a lot of people that know him, but basically he believes he teaches. I actually heard him pull pick this apart and and actually said he believes in it, what's called modalism, right? Oh no, yes. And so that Jesus. Yeah is in the form of God or takes the form of the Spirit. And so so when Jesus said, I'll go away and, and bring the Holy Spirit, he, he's, that's Jesus just in a different form, God in the form of... And the difference is, and it sounds like a small small thing, but it's like 
they are distinct persons, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the baptism, we saw God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. They're all distinct persons right. at that location. Um, but uh, modalism says that, um, you know, this is God in three different forms, which is, you know, old school, that's that's heresy because right. it Absolutely. leads to some, some false, false that things. That was approached at the Council of Constantinople. That's right. That's right. the main thing they got together and right. talked about, right? And they right. said, okay, these are three... God, the Godhead is one, yes. I and the Father are one, which is mind-blowing. Right. But they're also distinct persons, right. having distinct... And so, you know, when Jesus says that, you know, he's subject to the Father, and, you know, the, the Spirit is, seems to be subject to both the Father and the Son, the way it seems like I understand it. And... Each one has a each of the Godhead has a different role to play, and I, I think it's a fascinating thing. Uh, it's one of those things in seminary, right. you know. You get you try to unpack these things. Do you have any? Did you ever study that so yet? In Trinitarianism is what this it is. This is going to sound too on the nose, okay? But I am I'm not kidding here at all. That subject came up yesterday in a whole different form. A gentleman asked me a question in my office. He's a he's a uh, a worker, uh, does a lot of construction jobs. A okay. really wonderful, very he loves the Lord with a passion. And uh and, but you know, he's not a seminary grad, but he brought this subject up and we talked about it. Mm -hmm. Then last night we were starting the spring semester for this year's uh, uh seminary classes at Shepherd's Theological. And uh, this subject came up again, and here we are the next day You're talking, talking about, about it. it. And modalism specifically came up because what it would essentially so what does it lead to? If we let's say say someone is buying into the like this pastor I was quoting, and he's a he's a TV guy. I mean, he's a big name guy, not somebody local. But but what would what would modalism do to a person's faith? What's the outcome of a modalism view? Well, yeah. So let me let me get a running start into go, it. Go First of all, modalism would almost give the impression that God is somehow divided into thirds. Okay. So you have a thirty-three point three 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 endless <laughs> percent, right? Of all three of them. Okay. And so essentially, now you've divided God instead of understanding that God is perfect and complete in and of Himself. So the, yes. the famous right. formulation of God in three persons, blessed Trinity, yeah. that three are one and one are three, in perfect in harmony, perfect in in unity, perfect in every single way, but uh, God in three persons. So secondly, there are a couple of places in the Bible that just wouldn't make any sense. Baptism you, of John. Baptism is is one very, very clear place. Right. And then you have Jesus constantly what? Speaking to himself? Right. One mode speaking to another well, version of himself. Cross, you know, right. oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Right. Yeah, he'd, he'd be forsaken himself. Right. Gotcha. And That's so good. again and again, you have this understanding where and this is where I was talking about this with the with that gentleman. Um I said, you know, sometimes we try to overcomplicate things. Yeah. First and foremost, we know this. Jesus Christ was literally the earthly, um, he, was, he is God, God in flesh. And God did not leave his throne in heaven. Uh, he was also in heaven at the same time he was on earth. Secondly, yeah. Jesus Christ, he did give up certain things because he was also fully human yeah. as well as fully divine. Right. And so we, we understand he had to be fully human. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he couldn't have paid for human sin. Right. But he also had to be fully divine. Yeah. And so this is where that great formulation of the hypostatic union, yep. that 100% plus 100% equals 100%. Yeah. That he's 100% God, at the same time he's 100% man, right. and yet all of that equals not 200% or 33.33% 33 uh, 33 or 50%. Mm -hmm. It literally is, he is the perfect and complete God also. 
And so you look at that understanding. This is where last night then, uh, our professor, I said this, I find myself in describing the Trinity by describing what it is not, okay. rather than try to point at what, he is, what it is. And he paused and he said, you're absolutely right. I have spent the last 40 years of my life studying this. And it's one of those things where, you know, whenever you try to find any earthly representation, mm-hmm. whether it's a three-leaf clover like uh, St. Patrick, okay, whether it's an egg like a lot of people, yeah, or oh, yeah, yeah. whether it's water, water you know, water vapor, gas, and all yeah. That, yeah, he said every one of them falls, falls apart, apart. because right. we're talking about something, someone so far beyond our understanding. Okay, so I... I, I agree with you 100%. And I've used the water illustration, you know, God's liquid, or like or water is in liquid form, uh, steam or solid would be an ice, right? But that's modalism. It really is. It is. Because it's like, okay, you can be in three forms and they, in this H2O changes forms. Mm-hmm. It, it only does a, a part of it and it misses the, the person. And so the person that was, was preaching was basically saying how he, his form changed from, you know, you know, here, come give me a hug, son. And he has this huggy relationship with the son. Now his his son's older and he's kind of giving him the stiff arm. And so now his relationship is different. So he's a different, has a different form. And he was showing this is how God is, is like God the Father in Christ. When when Jesus went away and sent the Spirit. And I just I was sitting there going, Oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. this is not unpacking the Trinity right. in the way that I I understand the Trinity. This right. is a and I I know agree it's a modalism, but also known today as oneness Pentecostalism in some it places. It is a Pentecostal. Yeah. So the um, one of the things that I thought was interesting, or I was thinking about, you know, when the two become one flesh, you know, God sees the man and the woman as one, mm. okay? But yet they are, and even though they're one, they are complete distinct individuals, right? Mm-hmm. Man, woman, no question of the distinction of those, even though God sees them as one. I think... For me personally, I don't know if I would use that to just totally describe the Trinity, but it's like somehow you got to, when you see the Godhead, and I'm going to try to get to a why, so so what? Because mm-hmm. I think the so what's really important. Right, right. But I think we got to see the Godhead as three distinct persons, yet they're one. Mm-hmm. I and the Father are one. You've seen me, right. you've seen the Father. Right. That's what Jesus said. So um, those, are, those are hard things to get your head around. So we right. have to give these people a kind of a... A pass on, or all of us. We need a. We need some grace in trying to get our head, our human minds around this. But the thing that I think, this is my so what. When you see God the Father as just another form of Jesus, you get real cozy with Jesus, and 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 we should get cozy with the Father. I'm not saying, that, but God the Father is the one that's I see as justice, right? His, you know, there's a wrath towards sin. And Jesus Christ, he's a different person. He, his blood propitiated that wrath, God the Father's wrath toward sin so that mm-hmm. we can have fellowship with him. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then the Spirit of God is convicting us, has a whole different role, another person of the, of the Godhead. And um, anyway, I guess I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus because I, I think these things are hard. But I think... What it does, we everybody wants to get real cozy with Jesus right now, which is wonderful, but you kind of lose the awe and even the fear of God. That's one thing that modalism, in my mind, could lead to. And and I, I guess maybe I'll give you a shot at what's what do you think this is the so what of right. modalism? If you believe that, different just different forms. 
I think you've just set that up where it really is a great opportunity to address something. Okay. Jesus, uh, as our elder brother, we are joint heirs. Okay. Right? I mean, it's, it's a glorious thing, the, the relationship, the fact that he also went to a cross for us, that there's deep and abiding love to know that he stood on the same stone I stood on two months ago yeah. and bled on my behalf is extraordinary. Yeah. At the same time, that same one will come back someday um, and his garments, his vesture will be dipped in blood mm-hmm. as he rides through the Jezreel Valley. Right. And so I think sometimes it lessens who Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus... Modalism does. Modalism I, would do No, that. I can see that. Nathan. So what yeah. we have is we either diminish yes. Yahweh... God the Father. Right. Okay. Or we diminish Jesus Christ, yeah, I get the you. Christ. I mean, what it does is it tries to bring the infinite down into yep. the finite so much that we lose track of exactly how vast and incomprehensible, how majestic... This king is. And so the way yep. then, why it matters for our Christian life is something that can be seen all across this country. There are a lot of Christians over the last generation or two in the United States of America that have made God a glorified ATM machine or have made themselves yes. so much God yeah. that they wind up uh, um, commanding stuff that God is the one that commands. You know, and, and so they diminish God or elevate themselves. And really what that does in one's own personal Christian life yeah. is causes them to live less by faith. This, it's not the God of the Bible yeah. that they're celebrating. Yeah. There, to me, there's just to pick up a little bit, I'm, I'm not saying this is what you're saying, but here's what it comes to my mind. I think there's less fear of God, and we need, you know... Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And Amen. to fear God is to say, oh, I good. believe I'm going to stand before Almighty God someday. Mm-hmm. If you raise yourself high enough, which, to be honest, some of these guys, this new apostolic uh, reformation, they're raising themselves up to be prophets and apostles, right? right? right. Saying that God told me this is right. old Pentecostal stuff that I dealt with years ago. And I was like, okay, got completely turned off on it. Right. Well, now it's all coming back. Yes, yeah, right. A, yeah. In big time ways. But it's, to your point, you're elevating man because he's a prophet, right? And um, he's an apostle. And it's like, and I think you're diminishing God and and you're basically saying, hey, God told me this and, you, and man gets elevated. I think those are all dangerous things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's an actual result of modalism, but it's they're all kind of related. Right. I think when you we diminish God and increase man, you got... You got problems, right? Yeah. Years ago, I heard a, a fellow that I, I appreciate, even though there were a number of areas in which I would have disagreed with him. But I do believe he's a brother who is in heaven now. His name was R.C. Sproul. And he made the statement, though, that when you look backwards in church history or you look at theology today, you can tell a lot about a person by how big their God is and yeah. how small they are, or vice versa, yeah. how big they are and how small their God is. Oh, that's good. At the end of the day, it seems to apply to every one of the conversations we have. Yeah. I mean, regardless of how we're interacting with the world around us, mm-hmm. if we have a truly big God who is, honestly, there's tremendous joy that comes with realizing that an immortal, invisible, all-wise, eternal God put himself in human flesh, and then allowed himself to be born in uh, in in among paupers. Yeah, uh, it, I I we really got this when we were going through Nazareth. 
when 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 they made the statement, who was it, Nathaniel, that made the statement, can anything good you come out of Nazareth? Yeah, right. He wasn't joking. Yeah. I no, mean, it's a, yeah. it was a backside of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. In essence, it would be like saying to today, now I am going to sound like I'm bagging on people from Kentucky. Okay. But let's just talk about <laughs> Appalachian Americans, otherwise okay. known as hillbillies, okay. you know? All right. Can anything good come from Right, right, right. It's it's yeah. like a, a hillbilly Jesus. Yeah. In essence, that's what he was saying. So yeah. when you look at that, immortal God allowed himself to be born yeah. in a, in the one spot where he is completely approachable. Yeah. And so when you, when you finally understand the vast magnitude of God and the immensity of his love, it does something extraordinary in your Christian life and that is impossible to describe until it until it finally crosses your mind and all of a sudden everything else becomes very very different for you. And I I can't over, as a pastor you spend your whole life. Yeah. Uh, speaking on but that, I do, and but this is even helping me think through this because I'm sometimes even speaking, like, yeah. you know, your verbal process, or at least I do. But you know, I think the the wise men they came, yeah. they had an awe of the baby king. Who who was he? Born king of the Jews. He was right. born king, right? That that's what these guys' mindset was. They had this awe and wonder of this right. baby king, and, and so much of our, I think we're all a little guilty of modalism so i'm not throwing anybody on the bus but i think we get a little bit too cozy cozy sometimes with this with this uh the human jesus and how much he loves me and we focus on how much you know how valuable i am and him and all those things it's like i think we should really we'd be better off to make him really big and make us really small i mean that distance we need to remember Mm -hmm. and we need we've lost i think a little bit of this awe so that's that's just kind of me verbally processing as I, as we go here. Here's another. It, it leads into your your definition leads into something that I I don't think is my most shocking thing that Jesus said. I, I picked one to preach on, and yeah. you'd be really proud of uh, Karsten and and Cole. They both preached on this, Good. and they both had. Uh, I think Cole's shocking statement for him was that in order to um, you uh, to follow me, you have to become uh, as a little child. So that was that. That was a big, big shocking. And then Carson, he said it kind of jokingly on the when I told him, I said, "Hey, you would like you to preach this weekend, and you know, pick something shocking." And he says, "Well, you know, I think the most shocking thing is when Jesus says." Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't even have any part of me. That's a big. That's pretty shocking. I, was like, I laughed <laughs> and I true. said, "Well, that is shocking." Well, he went ahead and went with it. Did a fabulous job of unpacking <laughs> that and explaining it too. I just thought, "Wow, this is really, really good. Well done." But anyway, I think the most shocking thing, at least for the the bulk of humanity to grasp, is when Jesus says, "I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Mm-hmm. No man comes to the Father but through me." That's right. People really have a struggle with that one mm-hmm. because it's like, wait a minute, I think I can go to God however I want to. Right. And it's like, well, that's a shocking statement to have to deal with. That's right. And it's and it's one that actually uh, I think I think that kicks a lot of people out. It's like, well, you know, right. you know, you're, you're saying that you the only way you can come to God is through, through Jesus or come to God, the father. No one comes to the father, but through me. Right. 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 And so. um it's like, yeah, that's that's what he said, and that's I know it's hard to get your head around. Now, for a believer, we go, yeah, no, no problem. Right. For a non-believer, that's huge. Right. Right. So, anyway, I I don't know if that's the most shocking for for the unbelieving world, but it's one that's 
it's yeah. hard to get it's hard to get for that person to get around that one right. if they really are set against the things of God. Right. Uh, yeah. So. I think that's the basis of the Christian life though. What we're doing every day is we're living a life that is according to the scriptures exclusive. Is very exclusive. Yeah. It is not an inclusive religion. And that's probably the reason why it's so shocking to our culture today. Yeah. Almost anybody else would get that in time past. Yeah. But today, with all of the quote inclusivism, yeah. even with ideas that do not stand side by side, they cannot because they're mutually exclusive. Yeah. We try to force people, and actually, I think a lot of people just prefer not to think about it. Under the everything. umbrella of tolerance. Exactly. Yeah. When what we're saying is no, no, we are exclusive. Yeah. The the one that we serve was exclusive and extraordinary. Yeah. He was literally God wrapped in flesh. Yeah. He is the only way to get to God to the fa- God the Father. Yeah. He is truly uh, shocking in that he's the way we come to him, and this is a shocking statement: is to eat his uh, flesh and drink his blood. <laughs> right. You know, consume him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then, literally to come to him with all of those big ideas to simply surrender as a little child. Yeah. Okay, you're so big. I can't even grasp all of you, but just, I just trust you. Simple belief, yeah. And all, exactly. it all comes together at some yeah. point. It's a, it's an amazing thing. It's been an honestly, we could have been doing this for two months, I three months. I think we could yeah. talk about shocking statements of the, of the Bible and certainly things that Jesus said. And uh, but I think you know Carson said this. I want to give him a little plug on this because one of the things he, he said is that he came from Southern California, and you got used to all the the earthquakes. Oh you yeah. Know? After a while, yeah. you just get used to it. I've been there. And it's like you know what. And his point was, sometimes we get, as Christians, we get too used to, um, you know, shocking things that Jesus says. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't shock us anymore. It just yeah. kind of, but it also doesn't impact us. Right. And I think his point was, is that we need to read this with fresh eyes and make sure that when we read this, it's like, are we really believing, you know, are we taking this in? Because it should shake us inside. That's good. Uh, when when Jesus said, you know, my personal one is the shocking one is, you know, they said, well, we've healed in your name, we've cast out demons in your name, and Jesus said, I never knew you. It's mm. like, whoa, that's a, that's a, t- that's a shock. That is big. That's a big one. So, that's big. well, there's a lot of things. Like I said, yeah. we could go on forever, but no, this is fun. And so thanks for... Thanks for I don't know the verbal processing Amen. kind of in our in our in our studio here today. Well, as you go across the street, as you're going around the world, is how we end our our services. We also want to tell you is you've got to you've got to be strong. You've got to be very courageous. God bless you guys. <laughs>